Alright, I want you to notice verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says, We give thanks to God always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. And a while back I preached the first and second Thessalonians and I showed how the church was going through a lot of persecution during this time. This was a very rough time for this church. And you can see Paul just giving a lot of encouragement throughout this letter because this was a, a newer church. They were going through a hard time. And so he was concerned for their well-being. And he is. He's trying to lift them up. He's not flattering them. He's just, but he's stating the facts. He's letting them know where they've done some good things. And he uh, wanted to know, them to know that he appreciated it. And so notice too how he mentions that... Um, he mentions in verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. And something that we see Paul constantly doing in his epistles, especially in the last chapter of many of his epistles, Romans chapter 16, uh, I preached a whole message on that one time, just looking at all the people that Paul acknowledged, but he was always acknowledging the people in the churches that he was writing to, and he would mention their works and all the good things that they did. And there's a lot we can learn from that. But uh, one thing we learned, it just shows how important their work was. It shows that while we talk about the Apostle Paul all the time, that when we talk about the work of the Apostle Paul, we are not talking about the work of one man. We're talking about the work of many people. There were many people behind the Apostle Paul. And that says a lot too. And it shows too, as we see Paul mentioning these things, that he understood how important their work was. And it was something that he had taken notice of it. And he acknowledges it. And you know, while we shouldn't seek recognition for our labors, you know, it's not wrong for us to give recognition to others when they've been a blessing. And so really, this might be a different kind of message today, but really what I want to do in this message today is I just want to take time to just acknowledge some things as a pastor that I see that you all do as a church that, you know, maybe we don't talk about them that much. Maybe I don't talk about as much as I should. But I do want to say that I do notice and I do appreciate it very much. And I just think I thought it would be appropriate to just talk about some of this stuff today. Uh, because, um, you know, a lot of, it's easy to feel like you're not being noticed. And, you know, I don't want people to ever get discouraged. And I will say this, though, while there will be a lot of things that, you know, fly under my radar, things that I won't notice, things that the church will not notice, just, you know, Rest assured that God will always notice. It says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. So this labor of love, this was what they were doing in the church. It was what they were doing for the saints. And you know, it, we are often unrighteous and we don't notice or we just take it for granted. We don't have an appreciation like we should. That, it's, it's easy for us to do that, but thankfully, God is not unrighteous to do that. And the reality is, He's not going to forget. And that's a good thing. That means you're going to get rewarded for it. He's going to take care of you. He will exalt you in due time. And, and so I'm not, and I'm not going to go through and like name people today. I'm going to kind of be speaking mainly in general for a lot of things today because I don't want to forget people and I probably would you know some of it might just be uh you know bad memory uh I, I forget you know there's a lot of reasons but I just want to talk about some of these things that I do notice because I think a lot of people they miss opportunities to make a difference in a great way because I think a lot of times they're just unaware of the impact that they are making and, and, and a lot of times it's because people aren't telling them in Matthew chapter 25 in verse 37, after Jesus says, I was hungry, ye gave me meat, and so on. And then what does it say? Then the righteous, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When we saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in? You know, the righteous people, they're not sitting around keeping track of what they're doing. They're not sitting around, you know, keeping track of how much recognition they're getting for the things that they're doing. A lot of times, they don't even realize that they're doing it. They're just doing it because it's, from the heart, they're doing it out of obedience to God, maybe out of love for the Lord. But these people, they don't even realize that when God sees them doing things for the brethren, God doesn't think you're doing it to the brethren. He thinks you're doing it to Him. 
And you know what? That ought to motivate us right there. And, and you say, well, you know, why, why is that so important to him? Well, I, I, I believe it's because if we're doing the work of the Lord, okay, we're doing the work of the Lord, and so your support of those doing the work of the Lord, I mean, it is, it's, it's for God. It's not about helping me. It's not about me helping you. We are doing all these things for the Lord, and it's the most important work that there is. The work of God is way more important than anything else that's going on in the world today. There's a lot of causes you can get caught up in, in if you want to. You can get caught up in politics if you want. And you might even make a difference in a positive way in some area. But I don't believe it's going to compete with doing the work of the Lord. I think that's better. You can do work for people. You can help feed people. And you can feed them for a day. But you know what? How much more important is it that you feed them for an eternity by giving them the bread of life? These things are so important. Not that we don't care about those physical things, but this is so much more important. And all, and all the things that you do to make this church work, they matter for the kingdom of God. Anything that you do that is a blessing and a benefit to anyone serving the Lord, to me, you are a partaker of my good deeds. Just like you're a partaker of the evil deeds if you support those that are doing bad. And so I just want to acknowledge some things that I see you all do that I just think needs to be acknowledged. And the first thing is your attendance to church. You, you know, trust me, preachers, we say it's not about the numbers and it's, and it's not about the numbers. We, you know, as a pastor, I would preach if there were two people here and I think I'd preach the same way. But you know what? It's a lot better when you have a crowd. It's a lot better when you're all here. I'm glad you're here and not home watching it online. And if you can't be here and, I, and you're watching online, I, I'm glad you're watching online. You're, but at the same time, you know what? It motivates me to keep preaching when you all are just here. And I know that's not easy. And you got to understand, coming to church, it's not just about you. It's for others. Hebrews 10.24, and let us consider one another. A lot of people today, they made the choice, I'm not going to go to church because they were thinking about themselves. But a lot of people today, they probably came to church even though they felt like doing something else. Fishing would definitely have been canceled for today. But they were probably thinking about doing something else. But you know what they did? They considered other people to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And folks, I notice that. I Preachers notice when you're at church. They notice when you're not at church. And preachers get nervous when people aren't at church, especially if it's for a prolonged period of time. And you know, we, we, we do. We get insecure sometimes and we wonder, did I offend them? And you know, as our church grows, I'm noticing more and more, it's just like, it's getting harder and harder to just not offend somebody. And you know, it's hard to get up here and to preach and to let it rip and not say something that's going to just rub someone the wrong way. And trust me, I, you know, on one hand, I don't give a rip. I'm preaching the word. But on the other hand, I do care about people's feelings. You know, on the other hand, I don't want to run people. I don't want to run people off. I don't want to give people the wrong idea. I don't want to come across wrong, but that kind of thing can happen. And I'm telling you, you know, I am encouraged. I don't think anyone is more encouraged. I don't think anyone is provoked unto love and good works more than the pastor by your attendance. I understand the sacrifice. I understand the time that it takes. I understand the distance that some of you drive. And it is, it's humbling to me. And when I see people being obedient like that, you know what? It does, I don't feel like just getting up here. I wouldn't feel right just getting up and winging it. And it'd be easy to do that. You know, in some place, you know, if there was only a couple people here, uh, they, you know what? I know I preached this one 14 times before, but these two people weren't here. And then I'm not even studying. But it's like, you know, not only do I have, you know, people that are here, you know, said so part of it, I put it online. And so then I don't know who's watched past stuff too. So it's like, I got to keep, I got to keep going to the word and getting something new that motivates me to study more. And you all are doing that. And I appreciate that. I'm, I'm aware of the fact there's many other places that people could go. There's places that, you know, you know, maybe preach better, do this or that better. I mean, I can get up here and I can give all the reasons why we're the best church that there is, you know, and I can set up a scenario where uh, the rules of the game, the way they work, we're definitely going to win. But at the same time, you know, we have no way to make anybody come to this church. And yet people do. I appreciate that. Your attendance, it does. It, it provokes me. You know, and I believe 
I'd be faithful with a few people, but just your participation, it makes it something that I can enjoy and look forward to, and I'm not just enduring. And there's a lot of pastors today, they are. It's, it is a challenge for them to get up to the pulpit every week and to go to church every week and to be faithful. It's a challenge for them because it's hard. they got a lot of junk going on in their church. Nobody takes it serious. Maybe hardly anybody's even coming. There's preachers today that are in their pulpits right now. They're going to their churches and they don't even know if there's anybody that's even going to come to listen to them preach. And I've heard those stories before. I'm glad we've never had that happen here. Even though it's been closed, we've never had that happen where nobody came to the service. But I, I've heard preachers tell those stories and it's discouraging to them. And a lot of people are quitting. And the fact that you come anyway, it means a lot. And I'm telling you, it's it, the more the merrier. And you know, I pre, you know, some of you moms, okay, most, a lot of you are probably back in the nursery. You feel like you probably never sat through a service in your life before because you take, you have all these little kids. Listen, I appreciate that. You know what? You're doing the right thing by coming anyway. You're doing the right thing by bringing your kids and getting them used to coming to church. And listen, I know it stinks sometimes. And I, and you know, my wife, I, I'm not, I'm never there. I'm up here in the pulpit. My wife's been there many times where, you know, you have to have those embarrassing moments where you take the kid out screaming, I don't want to spank and stuff like that. And you know, Hey, we get all of that, but it's, you know, it, it's embarrassing. It's frustrating. It's mentally and it's emotionally tiring and draining. You bring your kids to church. They throw up, they have accidents, they explode their diapers. I mean, just all these things happen. And I understand what a challenge it is. But let me tell you something. It encourages me. You're encouraging other people. There might be another mom that needs to be in church a little more than you. And the fact that you're doing it all the time with all your kids, it tells her, you know what? I can probably do it too. You know, and that, that's important that you do that. You coming here and your kids being bad, it's probably encouraging that other mom who's here and her kids are being bad. And she's feeling like just staying home. Uh, because she's embarrassed, but it's like, you know what? I'm not alone. This other mom, her kids are being bad in church today too. And so, you know what? I'm, I'm not just, you know, this isn't just me that this kind of stuff happens to. And let me tell you, while you're encouraging other people around you, ultimately who it's going to benefit are your kids. Because eventually, one of these days, church is going to get over and you're going to go home and it's going to dawn on you. I didn't have to take my kid out of the service one time. And you're going to be like, my kid's, be good in church. And then, and then one of these days, your child is going to start saying, you know, saying things that he picked up in church. You're going to realize, hey, they're learning things. They're picking stuff up from what they're hearing in the pulpit. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to turn out kids unlike the rest of this world. You know why? Because you put in the work. You did the sacrifice. And you know what? I think everyone needs to appreciate... You know, these moms that do all that and put up with all this stuff. And dads too. All right? You know, so, you know um, dads helping. That, it, it means a lot. It would be so much easier to just stay home, but you're not provoking anyone to good works when you stay home. You're making that day easier. And I get it, moms. Boy, sometimes you need an easy day just to survive mentally. All right? Nobody's going to hate on you. Okay? Nobody's going to hate on you when you when you stayed home because Junior's nose was run a little bit and he was sick. All right, okay, we we get it, we, we get it. You know, let let's not beat these ladies up, but I just want you to understand. You know, I see the sacrifice, I appreciate it from everyone, and it means a lot. And you know what? God's not going to forget it either. And anything that you see me doing, you all have helped encourage that. You all have helped keep me going. And you all will be a partaker in my rewards that I get one of these days in heaven. So I do. I appreciate everyone's attendance. I, and this kind of goes with it too. I appreciate your long suffering. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And you know, we often, right, as the pastor, you know, we often have the privilege and the opportunity to get up here and talk about what the pastor has to put up with. But you know what we don't get to talk about a whole lot is what the congregation has to put up with. And you know what? The truth is, the congregation sometimes has to put up with some stuff too. And I acknowledge that. You know, sometimes I'm, I probably say things that you don't like. Nobody raise your hand. But how many of you have been offended by something I've said? From the pulpit before or not 
from behind the pulpit. I've probably I've made decisions that y'all didn't agree with, things that have aggravated you. I've probably got in the flesh before in my preaching and said things I probably shouldn't have said. I've I've probably I'm not going to do any confessing. I'm just saying I probably, but you know I. Um, so I'm, I'm sure y'all could help me out with, if I need help confessing some of the things. But you know, I might I might have preached some things that were a little off before that weren't completely technically accurate. I might have preached some messages before that were a little bit on the boring side. That's probably happened. But you know what? I'm thankful that when I've given everyone an excuse to leave, you didn't just leave. I'm, I'm thankful for that. And you know, I don't want to take for granted the fact that you all put up with stuff and the fact that, you know, when I do mess up, because all these people are faithful anyway, that doesn't make me want to just, you know, not care and be careless even more. It's like, you know what? I need to make sure I get these things right. I need to make sure that I'm not preaching in the flesh, that I, that I remain spirit-led because, you know what? These are Christ sheep and I'm just an under-shepherd and I don't have the right to just run people off because, you know, I'm out of sorts with you for one reason or other. I don't believe I have the right to do that as a pastor. And so the fact that, you know, you're putting up with stuff, you know, that, that means a lot. And, and I know you are. You know, and some people too, uh, you know, they base their attendance, their tithe, their service in the church, whatever their participation is, on whether or not they are pleased with the pastor's performance at that time, but then you have others, they're just faithful all the time. And you know what? I appreciate that. I, I really do. People that are just faithful, and I do. I, I know you all put up with stuff. I know there's things that aggravate you, and I, I am sensitive to these things. You know, I obviously, you know, you can't please everybody, but, you know, and um, I don't try, you know, sometimes I feel like, I can succeed in making everyone mad at the same time, but I can't succeed in making everyone happy at the same time. You know, I think it's a lot easier to do the make everybody mad at the same time. But you know, when when I see people putting up with stuff, and I see you being faithful anyway, even if you are out of sorts with me, that shows me, and it shows God that you're here serving Him, and not me. And you know what? If I am getting out of line, I believe that's going to make God a lot more likely to deal with me and straighten me out. If that's what needs to be done. So, um, when it comes to the relationship of pastor and people, forbearance and long suffering, it's a two way street. You got to have it on both ends. And I'm, let me tell you, I notice it. You know, a lot of you have been here for a long time, you've been faithful for a long time. You're not just people that have just come in. And we've had those people, they come in, I mean, they're there for everything, they're, they're excited, they're involved in every little thing. But then, as quick as they get in and get involved, they get out that fast too. And you know what? The crowd we have here today, you know, you've been consistent. You've been around for a long time. I appreciate that. I also would like to acknowledge, too, your giving. And I know pastors aren't supposed to pay attention to the money and stuff like that either. And I don't pay attention to, like, the specifics of all that. But I do see, you know, offering totals and things like that. And let me tell you, we do have to have money come in to pay the bills around here. Uh, you know, it feels good in this building right now while it's really hot outside. And I just want to say our electric bill last year or last month was terrible. <laughs> All right. But you know what? I'm glad we can afford to pay it. I'm glad it's not going to bankrupt us. I'm glad that we have the money to have a nice building like this. But, you know, these things, they don't come for free. And I, it's not all coming from my offering. I can tell you that right now. It's everybody's doing their part. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 16, but to do good and to communicate. Forget not. Now that word communicate there, we normally use that when it's referring to verbal communication. But this is the word that's used for giving in the Bible. And specifically here for monetary giving. And it says, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And you know what? While I am well aware of the fact that some things are just commanded by God, I am also aware of the fact that there is no earthly force making you give. There, there is, there's nothing. The IRS is not going to come for you if you're not paying your tithe. And you know what? We don't come for you either. Some churches do. Some churches, when they have their business meetings, if you haven't been tithing, you're not allowed to vote in that meeting. 
Now, I don't really, I don't, I don't agree with that. Okay, we've never done anything like that here. How many of that make you nervous? If we got up, well, you can sit in the meeting, but you know, uh, you know, so and so, you've, you're behind in your tithe right now. You can either settle up now, or uh, you can leave your opinion to yourself. Hey, you know what? I guess churches can do what they want to do. We've never done that. We're not planning on doing that. Okay, but at the same time. You know what? The fact that you're giving anyway, that just tells me you're being obedient to God. That uh, It tells me you appreciate the work here. And you know what? I understand it's God's money, but I also understand it's given in obedience to the work of God. And so you know what? That makes me take serious how we use the money here. Because this is, this is people giving a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. And I get it. They're being obedient. But you know what? I don't think we should just take that lightly. I don't think we should just squander that. I appreciate that work that's being done. And so people too, you know, it's a, it's a good testimony. The fact that you give is a good testimony. I, we had a lady one time, this was several years ago, where back when we had hardly anything coming in, but one week we somehow got lucky and we got a really good offering. And uh, we had a lady uh, from the, one of the Episcopal churches in town that came and visited and she, you know, we always put the totals in the bulletin and she saw that and she was just amazed, you know, and she was the, you know, that people are giving in your church. It was such a great testimony. I didn't tell her. We just got lucky that one week, but, um, she, she had heard us about our church back when I was on the radio and, but you know, it was, it, it made an impact because she was like, she was talking about all the churches out here that are dying and churches that are closing and just there's churches too, that they have people in the audience, but nobody's giving, nobody's contributing. And these places are being shut down. We just went to a church planners conference this week. You want to know what the, one of the biggest challenges to church planners is? It's the financial challenge. Everything costs money. It costs money to rent buildings. But people are lame. They don't want to go and just meet in a house many times. You know, people want to, have, people want to be in air-conditioned buildings. People don't want to go to church really in a ghetto. They want to go somewhere decent. They want all these nice things. But you know what? Not that many people want to give to make it happen. And so there's all these expectations on these pastors to just, I mean, just, you know, be able to have this fantastic building and all these programs and all these things in the church that compete with the mega church or that compete with the church that's been around for 50 years. There's all this expectation on them. But you know what? Nobody wants to give in these churches and these pastors. They've got bills to pay. They've got families. They've got mouths to feed. And you know what? A lot of times they just get burned out and they give up and they quit. And you say, well, you know what? They just weren't a very good pastor. And you know what? I don't even think that's always the case. You know, sometimes I think there's some places they're not worthy of a good church. You know, Jesus talked about when you go into these cities, talk about if they be worthy, if they receive you. And you know, if you're, you, people have no right to expect a good church and a good pastor and all these things when they're not willing to give, when they're not willing to participate, when they're not willing to show up. You know what? I think in some of those situations, those pastors probably should pack it up and go somewhere else. If people aren't going to get involved, we always want to blame the pastor in those situations. But sometimes the problem is sorry people. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, our church is, you know, is doing well in these areas. It is. It's not a testimony to me, even though I get a lot of the credit for stuff. It's a testimony to all of you. And I see it and I acknowledge it. And, you know, people often judge a church's success based on the buildings that they have. And when you, when you have a nice place. It, it, it often makes the pastor look good. But you know what? We can't get this from my efforts alone. I'm not somebody, you know, I know some pastors that they, you know, they have the ability to make a lot of money without working super hard. And they're able to work jobs, be successful and pastor. I've known some pastors, they were so good, well, off financially, they were pretty much able to fund the church. I, I, I know some guys like that. I am not that guy, okay? I'm not, I, I have never just been very successful in just raking in the dough. And I've always had to work really hard to rake in the dough. And the fact that we have been able to do what we have done here, it is not because of my, you know, great business sense and just anything of my, it's because people contribute, participate, they give. And it is, it's a testimony to all of you in here. Second Corinthians 9, 1 says this, for is touching the ministering of the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, 
For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. And so he's, he's referring to, to their giving, and their zeal and their giving, it was a testimony to them, and it provoked others to, to give and to do the right thing. And so what your, what your, you know, your obedience in this area, it provokes other people. Some of you might get discouraged and think, you know what, if, if you look in the bulletin every week and you know there's 50 bucks in there and that's all that came in, some of you are probably thinking, well, you know, why does nobody want to give to this church? Or you might start thinking, there's got to be more than that coming in. What are they doing with the money? <laughs> and, you know, but it, the, the fact that you see other people are contributing, it's a testimony to you, that this, especially if you're new to the church, that this church must be doing things right. And again, all this participation stuff, when it comes to a church... Whenever it's a one-man show, we've got a problem. And it can only succeed, it can only go so far when it's a one-man show. But if, we're gonna, if you're going to take these things to the next level, it has to be a group effort. It has to be the whole congregation. And you all are doing that. You know, there was the, the first year, the first couple years of the church, I believe it was. You, know, you want to know, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say this right now. I'll give credit to somebody. I was actually the top giver. <laughs> Yeah, in the church, just because there weren't very many people. A lot of them were seniors that were on fixed incomes and things. You know, they don't have that. They don't have that much to give. You know, I was I was working a lot uh, during that time, and even though I'm serving in the church, you know, I was giving uh, my tithes and offerings. Sometimes I have to give a little bit extra to make sure we can pay the bills around here. You know, and I'm thankful we're not doing that anymore. But that kind of thing, uh, it, you know, it's happened before. So. Uh, I, I do. I appreciate that. I think more than people realize. I, I appreciate, I've noticed your love of the brethren. In 1 Peter one twenty two, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. I remember when we started the church and, you know, it... We didn't know each other yet. People didn't know each other yet. We didn't, they hadn't made friends in the church and people would come in at five till and leave at five after. And that was weird to me. I didn't like that. You know, I understand that's how it is when you're just getting started. But, you know, I'm glad it didn't stay that way. I'm glad that there are friendships in the church. I'm glad that there is love for the brother. Folks, I could preach a whole message. We could go to, I mean, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture about loving the brethren. And, folks, loving the brethren, it's not about just you having a big, warm, fuzzy feeling in your, you know, in your mind and in your heart. For people, it's you doing things. It's action. Okay? When the Bible talks about God's love, it always talks about His action. And so you can sit at home and you can do nothing and say, man, I sure love those people at Liberty Baptist Church. I'm fulfilling those commands. No, you're not. You're not fulfilling those commands unless you're here, unless you're helping, unless you're working, unless you're doing all these things you're ministering to people. You can't do that without participation and I am, I'm thankful to see that. I'm glad, I, I like it when I see people helping each other, when, when they're becoming friends. I like when I see the fellowship. That is a good thing. And you all, you're, you're doing that. I'm thankful for that. I see, and there's so many of these things, I'm going to have to go through them quickly. But you know what? I see your soul winning. I see that. And I, 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 that's still, on a regular basis, I, I just get a very thankful feeling when I see people loading up in the vehicles and piling up in the van and hitting the streets. Do you all know that if we're not soul winning as a church, we're just kind of a social club at that point? And again, the, the, one of, you know, all these other, there are so many more things that a church is supposed to do other than soul winning. And a lot of it, we, we, we've been seeing, is ministering to each other, provoking each other, loving the brethren. But do you understand why we need to do all these things to encourage each other? so we can get the gospel out. And what we have going on in a lot of churches today, they're doing all the things to minister to each other, to make each other feel good, to keep each other in church and excited and all that kind of stuff. But they're forgetting about the fact that, you know, we're kind of here recharging our batteries so we can get out there and we can make a difference and accomplish something. And in that great commission, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So if we leave that soul winning out, we're just, all the other stuff after that is kind of pointless. 
And we've got a lot of churches that are not doing the first thing that he said to do, but then they're doing all the other things. Well, so if we're not doing the first thing, then all those other things are really kind of pointless at that point. But then, you know, sometimes you have churches, they're all about the soul winning, but they're not about love for the brethren. They're not doing all those other things too. And you know what happens if, if, if we get unbalanced in that area, we're going to have a revolving door in this church. We're going to be scattering the sheep. If we're just tearing each other apart all the time, if we're just, if we're hating on each other, if we can't get along, great, we're great soul winners, but you know what? We're constantly, we're constantly losing people. We're constantly running people off. And I've seen it before in churches where it's like somebody gets thrown out of church. The next day, the pastor's up there preaching about him and everybody's just like, yeah, they're all excited about it. That's weird. That's not biblical. Okay? And we, we need to be the whole package. And you know what? I'm thankful we don't do that. I'm thankful that we've been able to have a church where whenever people leave, you know, we're not burning bridges. You know, we, they don't burn bridges and we don't either. And sometimes the church that people leave, they're the one that burn the bridges. And that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, even when you throw somebody out of the church, it's always supposed to be with the goal of restoring them to the church. That's the way it's supposed to be. But in a lot of churches today, because there's just no love for the brethren, there is no long suffering. There's not a lot of these other things. We just, we just don't care. And I think that's a shame. And I don't want, I, I do not want to go to that church. I don't want to pastor that church. I don't want to pastor those people. And I would rather see, if somebody leaves a church, somebody gets thrown out of the church, I would rather see you crying than cheering. I really would. Because that's the way it should be. That's the attitude that we should have. And you know what? I am, I'm glad that we've, I, I feel like we're balanced in that area. So, uh, I do. I notice that work. I notice the boldness and the zeal. I, I think that's great. I love seeing young kids. I love seeing teenagers. Oh, I, you know, seeing ladies going out, not afraid to talk to strangers. Folks, that's becoming a more and more rare thing today. We're hearing a lot of preachers today talk about soul winning, and there's very little of it going on. You're, and you know that that aggravates me. That bothers me. And you know, this might be carnal. This, you know what? And I might, I might be wrong for this. But you know, I shouldn't even admit this. But you know, I like when old I, I when old I read preachers come here and preach because I like them for a lot of reasons. But I like when they get to see our soulening that goes on. You know why? Because they need some of what we got here. And I know we shouldn't brag, and I don't brag, but I let them see it, and then I know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> and, and I shouldn't have that attitude, okay? I shouldn't have that attitude. But listen, you know, it's, you know, when a guy has a baby, he shows everybody the picture, right? Is that wrong? Is that, is that a sin? You know, when a guy, you know, he carries around pictures of his wife, you know, the things that you value and you treasure, you like to show off. And when you have a church of people that aren't afraid to go out soul winning, is it a sin to want to maybe show it off a little bit? I don't know. It probably is. And if it, if it is, y'all pray for me. And this is one more area we can be long-suffering. Uh, and, uh, you know, don't leave the church because I have a fault in this area. But I think that stuff. Okay? I shouldn't. And y'all are probably, you know, the Lord's going to take all the soul owners away because of that. But I, I really hope not. But that, I'm just telling you how I feel. All right? I'm laying it out. I'm going to work on that. Okay? But in Acts 4.13, it says, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Because of the boldness that they saw in these men, it's like these people have been with Jesus. And you know what? I want a church where it's obvious that the people have been with Jesus. We don't believe that a person is saved by works, but you know what? When you see somebody change their life and they start doing the works of God, you know that we, when we see them following the Holy Spirit, that just tells us they've been with Jesus. There's some people, you know, you wonder sometimes. And, and we do, because all we can see are the works. And so when, we, when you have people that claim to be saved, but they're living wicked, you know, you scratch your head. But I'm thankful for those that, yeah, you can tell they've been with Jesus. They're serving the Lord, they're on fire, and that's a good thing. And so, uh, you know, the reason, too, that I've never enforced things, like we never enforce soul winning or force people to do it in this church, 
is because I do believe, too, that a bad attitude puts a damper on things more than anything else. I'm, I, and so I would, rather, I would rather have less people participate and have a group with a good attitude who wants to do it than a bigger group with a bad attitude. Because let me tell you, that, that those people with a bad attitude will discourage ones with good attitudes, and pretty soon everyone's going to get sick of it. And then we're going to be like a lot of these churches that I'm trying to show off in front of. All right. That's, and I don't want that to happen. So we, uh, the fact that people do it with a good attitude, that I don't have to twist arms, I don't have to guilt trip, that means a lot. I notice that. I notice your physical labor. Turn to uh, Romans chapter 16. I want, to, I want to briefly cover some of this stuff. Romans chapter 16. And you want to know who Paul talked about a lot whenever he would acknowledge people? He talked a lot about women. He really did. Romans 16, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Chintria, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succor of many and of myself also. Look what Paul said about this woman. He said, I want you in the church to assist her. Wait a minute. Hey, she's not a pastor. She's not preaching. And you know what? She's not usurping authority over men either. But the reason Paul wanted them to assist her is because she's a succor of many. She's someone who takes care of people. She's somebody who ministers to the saints. She's somebody who's making church a better place. She's somebody who makes a difference in people's lives. And because of that, Paul's like, you know what? Give her whatever she needs to do whatever she's wanting to do because she is a blessing in her church. And so he's, he's, he saw that work that she was doing and he acknowledged it. He goes on, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Apennatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia and of Christ. Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. Notice he's referring to the labor. These people did work and the work that they did was work that was just meeting the needs of those around them, whether it was feeding people, washing the saints' feet, whatever it was. There were people in the church, ladies especially, that they were laboring, they were doing the work, and the Apostle Paul, you know what he did? He brought it up. And I do. I appreciate work that's been done in the building. I appreciate those who fix things in this church when it needs fixed and that do all the work that they do that help keep things clean. You know, that just pick up papers, pick up junk. You know, that kind of stuff, it makes a difference. I appreciate the food. You know, I, I appreciate that stuff. I'm glad we're going out sowing, you know, when we go out sowing on Sunday afternoons, we'd be with a full stomach. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for all these things. These are blessings. And just briefly... You know, your friendliness. I'm glad this is a friendly church, okay? I've got Bible on the rest of these points, but I'm not going to cover them. But I'm glad this is a friendly church. I, I like seeing, and I notice when people are, you know, talking to visitors, introducing themselves, you know, just making sure they know what's going on. You know, don't, you shouldn't just expect the pastor to do all that stuff. You know, it's your job to be friendly and you do a good job. That's a reputation our church has. We are a friendly church. Keep it up. I appreciate your obedience to the Scriptures. There's a lot of stuff that is unpopular to preach on in churches that I don't have to preach on a lot here because it's like everyone's doing it. And I don't even have time to get into all the things that a lot of pastors, they, they are scared to death to preach in their church and they need to be preaching these things in their church. I feel like here, well, I don't even really need to preach on this because everybody's doing it. You know what? That makes my job even easier. That means I can go even deeper into the scriptures. That means I can even go, I can you know I can try to go and find more meat for you all, and that means a lot. I notice your obedience to the scriptures. I don't feel like I have to get up and guilt trip. I don't have to get up and make up stories. I don't even I don't even have to make up. You know I don't even have to try to make verses fit what I'm wanting to teach because there's not a lot of scripture on it. I don't feel the need to do that. I'm not I'm not embarrassed by the people in our church. These things, uh, said I, I notice. Paul said in Romans sixteen nineteen, for your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And so, 
I also want to say too, I'm thankful that though for those who are paid staff for some of the extra things they have to put up with. You know what? I remember when I went, when I was in, in my last church from being basically an assistant pastor, you know, but no money. When, when you are doing the work of a deacon and everybody knows you're doing it for free, you know what? They appreciate what you're doing. But all of a sudden, when you start getting a paycheck, everyone thinks they're your boss. Everyone, everyone now looks at the same work a little bit different. And it's like they now have the right to be a little more critical of you. And you know what? It really kind of stinks. Okay? And I hope you all don't do that to the guys here. You know, one of the blessings for me, because of the fact that, you know, I, it took as long as it did for me to go full time, you know, there was no questions. And you know what? I just, I never felt any guilt for anything I've got paid. I just, I know I've earned it. And so people can't even make me feel that way <laughs> any anymore. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it is a real challenge. And I, I remember going through it. I remember dealing with it. And a lot of times, sometimes I would just kind of have this attitude, you know, when sister talks a lot, you know, comes up to you and has words with you after church about something that you did wrong. And it's like, you know what? Sometimes it'd be easier to just keep working the secular job, doing what you can, when you can, and it being appreciated, than getting a not very good paycheck, and yet now everyone's critical of what you do, and you just have all the stress and everything added. You know what? Listen, I, I, I know what that's like, and I'm thankful that uh, these guys, and, and I, I hope none of y'all are doing that to them. I really do. I, I hope, you, but, but if you are uh, doing that to them, you know, I appreciate them putting up with it. And they haven't, nobody's, they haven't been tattling to me on any of you guys. I just know what it's like. I've talked to others that have felt the same way, and it does. It stinks when you do. You start getting a little bit of money, and everybody thinks they're your boss. Not, not cool. Don't do that. But I, pre, I want to appreciate, too, you know, my family. You know, I wouldn't be able to pastor without my family. If my kids were out of control, if I had riotous children, if my wife was out of control, you know, the fact that they're, they are also being obedient to the Scripture in a world where they don't have to. Listen, I have two kids, you know, that are old enough to do whatever they want. They can, they've got jobs. They can leave my house. They don't, they don't need, uh, you know, they don't need me anymore to survive. But, you know, the fact they're still being obedient... First off, that's good between them and God, but it also, it helps me out. Because even though I could still say, well, I'm still technically qualified, they're not in my house anymore. Because I kicked them out. Yeah, that might be technically right. But wouldn't you all get a little bit nervous if, you know, all my kids, once they're old enough to not do the things that I teach, they're not doing the things that I teach? You know, I'd be a little nervous about that. Is it an automatic disqualifier? I don't know. You know, I think a, a church can judge that, and there's a lot of different situations and scenarios. But you know what? I'm thankful that my family has been obedient. My wife has been obedient. You know, my wife, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of junk she has to put up, especially being married to me, especially the fact, too, that, you know, I have an online ministry and I have a lot of enemies. The fact, too, that she has an online ministry. She has, there's all kinds of extra junk she has to put up with. And I told her. When she started, I said, listen, I said, if you're going to go online, if you're going to have this platform, I can't go hunting down your enemies all the time. I said, you're, and you're going to have some enemies. You know, people aren't going to like that you have a platform. People are going to say stuff. And it's just like, you know, I just can't be making YouTube video, backyard YouTube videos all the time addressing things. And you know what? I mean, she's always going to have, you know, you have like your atheist haters and all that. Who cares about them? You know, they don't matter. But you know what? She's also going to have insecure, weak men who can't handle seeing a woman with strong leadership abilities and strong opinions. She's always going to have women who are in churches who are hungry for good teaching for women. You want to know why a lot of ladies in other churches listen to my wife's, especially certain types of churches. There's, there's some types of churches not that many listen to my wife. You know why? Because they're getting fed when it comes to how to live life as a lady. They've got decent, godly, older women in the church that are a help to the ladies. They've got godly pastor's wives that are a help. And so they're not hungry 
they don't need a lot of the stuff that my wife's teaching. But one of the reasons she did is because there was a lot of women that were hungry for good teaching in that area. And I don't, you know, at, you know, I don't think it's the pastor's job to just get up and deal with all the ladies' issues and stuff. I mean, obviously, if it's in the Bible, we'll talk about it. But ladies, there's some stuff I'm not going to be able to help you with. That's why the Bible says for the older women to teach the younger women. Okay, I'm, I'm just not going to be good at it. And I'm glad, I'm thankful that she's doing it. And, you know, she does that with my blessing. And, you know, as a result of that, because people don't like me, she gets shots taken at her, again, by weak, scared men who don't know how to, you know, deal with the fact that they've got women that are hungry in their church and must go to her channel to get something of any value in nutrition. I, you know, and so... Uh, but that stings for her. You think she enjoys stuff like that? You think she enjoys betas, you know, making memes and stuff like that? I mean, you know, it, you know, no woman, but that's the kind of stuff she has to deal with. And, you know, I'm thankful for it. And I think it's good. I think it's been a blessing. I think it's been a help. You know, my kids, you know, there's, there's stuff that they see. There's junk they have to put up with. And yet, you know what? said, because of the stuff they've had to put up with, I could get up here and I could talk about, I could make all kinds of excuses. Well, yeah, my kids are like that because they got so sick of dealing with all your hypocrisy and all your wickedness and you all people were so bad on them and down on them and judging them all the time. No wonder they all quit serving God. I'm glad I don't have to get up and make those excuses like that. I could, you know, if I, if I wanted to. And that's what, a lot, that's what, you know, typically the go-to in that situation. But I haven't had to do that. And you know, I'm glad I'm not sitting around making excuses for my family, making excuses for the people in our church. You know, this has been a good church to pastor. You want to know one of the compliments I get sometimes? And boy, I hope this doesn't sound the wrong way too, okay? I'm not, you know, but I, I, I visited a church a while back. This is one of the first times somebody mentioned this to me. And I've had this compliment several times, but I mentioned I was a pastor and the pastor is like, he mentioned that I don't look, you know, as battle-worn as a lot of pastors. You know, because a lot of pastors have that look. Like they've just been run through the ringer, beat up, all that kind of stuff. Okay, now, I, you know, I will say that, uh, yeah, I don't think I look that way. If you look at the picture of me when I started the church, I've still got the same hairline. You know, I thought, I, I, you, know what, you, know, you know what, that hair loss, that was from Christian school. And that's not in the Bible, okay? That, that's what that was from. But, you know, pastoring, I've been, I've been able to keep my hair. Now, folks, you all know we've dealt with battles here, haven't we? You all know, I mean, I've gotten the type of attacks that a lot of pastors, you know, are just horrified. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we've dealt with. and But, you know, the truth is, it hasn't bothered me that much because I've had a church that's very encouraging through it all and you know what i i appreciate that i credit you for that i typically when you have those pastors that look like abraham lincoln before the civil war and after the civil war you all seen those pictures before they look like that it's because of their congregations it is horrible what congregations do to some pastors there are churches that are known as graveyards for preachers and I've, I've seen it before, some of the health things that pastors deal with because they're under so much stress. And you know, you haven't done that to me. Please don't. Okay? And please don't. I, but you know, I, but I, the fact that I, I don't seem that way, that, I, I, that hasn't happened to me, that's not a credit to me, it's a credit to you. And you know what? Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And so just lastly, I wish I had time to talk about these people a little more too. I would like to just briefly acknowledge our online crowd too. The people who watch us, support us, and even give to our church. You know, I often, you know, we, uh, we started this church without the online stuff. The online things, it's kind of an afterthought a lot of times. But the fact that people have given, that people come and they visit us sometimes and they encourage us, that means a lot. You know, that's caused us to kind of, you know, step up our efforts and trying to do good on our live stream and, you know, put out some, you know, stuff that's a blessing to them. You know, obviously my preaching, I reserve it, you know, for the church mostly, but I, I try to do some of the other things because I do appreciate that. I'm, I'm thankful 
for what they do, uh, their encouragement. That kind of thing means a lot, and they are. They're, they're giving to this church. You know, they're going to receive rewards. They have, they have contributed to the work of Liberty Baptist Church, and even though they're not here physically... I appreciate that. I appreciate those, you know, you know, guys like Loza, who's done a lot of promotional stuff for us and made, you know, banners and flyers and things that post. I, I appreciate that that kind of thing. And you know, he it, that people like him, um, they motivate me. You know, they encourage me, and those kind of things make a difference. You know, if he ever comes out here, I mean, his fingerprints are all over this place. You know, those signs, all the signs in our building out in front, those were made by him. You know, the, the T-shirts and things we have, pretty much any promotional, he does it. You know how much I've paid him for all that stuff? Nothing. He gives it to church. You know, and, you know, he's, he's in a place where, uh, you know, he doesn't, he's not able to get a lot of encouragement, doesn't have a good church he can go to. He's in another country. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he is watching what we're doing and contributing in a positive way, you know what, it, it makes me want to keep putting more stuff out there online that will hopefully keep reaching other people and being a blessing to other people. And if it wasn't for stuff like that, you know, I wouldn't think about this. A lot of churches don't think about that stuff at all. You know, and they could be being a blessing, but maybe sometimes they are being a blessing with a little that they do, but nobody's telling them. Nobody's letting them know, and so they just, you know, they just kind of put it off to the side. But you know what? There's people out there that actively and regularly do things to keep me motivated and encouraged. And you know what? They are partaker of the works of this church. And so I'm thankful for them. And so I just wanted to preach this message today just because you know, a, you know, a church should never be a one-man show, and it's not. You know, a good comedian and I, or a dynamic speaker or a celebrity is always capable of filling a building. But when it comes to a real church that is the whole package, something that is reproducible, it's never a one-man show. It's a group effort. It always is. And there will always be failures when it comes to giving people the recognition they deserve, but God is not unrighteous. He will always, He will not forget your labor of love. You will be rewarded. And, uh, and I, I, I'm here today to just tell every, everyone in this church, uh, thank you. I, I see these things and I don't take them for granted. And I hope you keep it up. I, I really do because I believe this church has done a great work and I believe there's a lot more to do. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for uh, your word. I thank you for this church and just everything that uh, people do uh, for all that's been accomplished, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be able to keep on being a blessing. And in this community, I pray that we can make a difference, reach as many people as possible. I pray we'll keep each other encouraged, motivated. Uh, we'll keep provoking each other to love and good works. There's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot of uh, lost people that need to hear the gospel. There's a lot of sin that people need to get out of their lives. And I pray you'll help us to uh, make a difference in that area for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.